Beaver Nation, it's time to get inside the huddle with the Damn Podcast. The Damn Podcast is your weekly ticket to Oregon State football and recruiting news. Here's your host of the Damn Podcast, BeaverBlitz.com publisher, Angie Machado. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado. With me, as always, is or- is Beaver Blitz senior writer. I don't even remember what your title is anymore. Editor, just overall the above. awesome dude um, running the show, Carter Baines. It has been a while, Carter. Happy New Year and uh, happy signing day. Yeah, is this really our first show of the uh, of the year? It's it's been a while, I think, but I don't know. I've lost track. It's it's been busy down here in Corvallis. Um, lots of stuff that we need to catch up on multiple sports, but obviously the big news today is, is national signing day. Um, it's been a busy day for me. I, you know, I was just talking about before we hit record, I've got multiple screens going. I'm watching the 24 seven sports national show, uh, updating the the headquarters as guys commit and sign. So, uh, yeah, busy day down here for sure. And not, and not as busy as it's been in the past. I think back to you probably weren't even, you were probably still in high school back before we had an early signing period when this was the signing day. Um, it was crazy. Same, but try doing it with, you know, 16 to 25 signees. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the early signing period this year, you got to remember that that was during bowl week. So I'm sitting in a hotel room, you know, on, on zoom with Jonathan Smith and, and trying to do, um, well, that was after practice too. So I had, you know, written a practice report and then I got to sit down and, you know, put together a, a signing day list of, of 16 guys. And yeah, that was a hectic day. So this is actually, um, this is pretty calm compared to, compared <laughs> That's to right. you were down there. That was right. That was right. That was the day before the rest of us got down there. So let's just talk. So kind of a, not a huge day for Oregon state. They did most of their recruiting. Um, in fact, all of their scholarship signees were from the December signing day, but let's talk, let's, let's recap we can, we'll talk Oregon State first, then we'll talk a little bit of the national, what's been happening, because some of those schools that maybe hired coaches late, you know, this was a busier day for them. But let's just talk about Oregon State's class. And um, I posed this question early, earlier in the lodge, Carter, but who are you most excited to see out of this class? Well, there's a few guys, and I think you start at the top of the, uh, the 24-7 composite rankings with Matthias Malachi Donaldson as a guy who I think can come in and compete right away uh, as an edge rusher, you know, outside linebacker. Um, there's there's playing time to be had there with Andre Hughes-Murray leaving and, um, you know, who knows what's going to be Addison Gum's situation next year. Um, so I, I think that that's a guy who could come in right away and, and probably compete for playing time as a, a true freshman. Do you know off the top of your head if he's a early enrollee? So he is not on campus okay. right now. Um, there is talk, however, um, I think he's trying to square some things away and he may arrive for spring term at Oregon State. Okay, because so I had seen, yeah, I had seen, I can't remember if it was Brandon Huffman or Greg Biggins. Um, somebody had put a story out there that he was hoping to enroll early, but I didn't know if he had arrived yet. Yes, no, he has not arrived. Uh, we are beyond the point of ad, um, ad drop classes. So anyone that would come in now would start spring term, which would be what the end of March, early April. I don't know exactly when spring break falls, but um, it would be after spring break, but that is what he is working on. And I think that would be huge. And especially if Oregon state's able to 
delay spring practice into whether they do it split up into two sections or just go in April like they have in the past. And what we saw last year was they had you know, a really late spring camp, uh, spring camp in April and, and into mid-May, I think. So yeah, it went mid-May. Um, that would be big to, you know, for any guys that are going to come onto campus for spring term, if you could delay camp a little bit like you did last year and get those guys involved. Because like I said, with Malachi Donaldson, you know, that's a guy who could really benefit from a month of practice in the spring because that gives him kind of a running start um, as he gets ready for his first season here. So who knows? I, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's always kind of hard to project who's going to come in right away and, and get playing time. But I, I do think that there are a couple of guys on this, in this signing class that are probably going to see the field that, you know, at least in four games and, and maintain their red shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about the two guys that are on campus right now that started, um, that is Dylan Lopez, uh, the offensive lineman, and then Damian Martinez. And Damian Martinez, the running back out of Texas, he's one I'm super excited just to see. Uh, I think this being here early is, is such a big, um, big thing for him. Like you said, getting ready, but you know, he's spending this whole winter term in the winter conditioning program with coach Mack able to, you know, add that size and strength um, and just gear up for spring camp. And, and with the departure of BJ Baylor to the NFL um, yes, you know, there's Deshaun Fenwick and Trey Lowe and, and, Isaiah Newell, and there's, you know, a handful of guys there, but um, if there's any position really on, on the team that a true freshman can come in and make an impact, it would be running back. And it's, you know, you're exactly right with him being able to spend the entire winter with the team and, and, you know, hit the weight room and and take advantage of um, those, you know, those power five kind of amenities that you get uh, with, with being on a power five roster, Um, you know, access to sports performance center and, and everything like that. And just also, I think, to be able to kind of mesh with your your new teammates, because a lot of it is chemistry related, um, you know, whether, you know, you're able to go and, and compete right away. It's, you know, do you, do you have a good relationship with your offensive line or do you know, you know, their blocking scheme and all that? So um, Martinez is a guy that, you know, I think could play a little bit this year, even with the depth that Oregon State has at running back. Um, Trey Lowe and, and Deshaun Fenwick coming back, you know, come to mind. But I, I think that there are still some younger guys in the room that are probably going to use this opportunity with Baylor leaving um, to maybe compete for some playing time. So I think, you know, there are a lot of guys that Martinez is going to be competing with, but he comes in with a recruiting profile as good as any of them. Yeah. And, and I love what I love about him is I was able to talk to his head coach at Louisville and just hearing what kind of player he, he is. You know, here's a, here's a young man who played four years um, varsity, two years as a captain, rushed for over 4,400 yards. Um, and, and, but the things that stood out to the coach were just the fact that he's such a hard worker and such a good teammate. So um, I think that's huge. Um, and I, you, you bring up a point, and I'm kind of taking a tangent here, but that's the other part. You know, Oregon State hasn't lost many people to the transfer portal. Um, and we, we're talking about running backs. And it's really interesting when you start looking at that running back room, there are some young guys. And, and a lot of times you'd see people leaving um in the portal i think what bj baylor did though was show that you don't have to be a multi-year starter to uh actually do big things yeah you're exactly right and i i think it's rare to see that in nowadays in college football with you know the emergence of the transfer portal and and these guys you know (laughs) coming and going at will essentially but um I, i think it's pretty commendable actually to 
you know, to do what BJ did and, and stick it out. And, you know, it's not like he was riding the bench the whole time. He was a contributor. He was, you know, a second or third string guy and was getting, was getting carries, but yeah, I mean, he wasn't a featured back or anything by any means. And I think what he proved this year is that he probably could have transferred to a, a group of five school or another power five school that needed a running back and probably could have played right away. So the fact that he did kind of write it out as long as he did, um, you know, we've talked about this before, but I, I think that was really cool to see. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So let's go back to the, the list. A couple other high ranked guys that I've actually been kind of surprised that these guys haven't been brought up in the lodge at Beaver Blitz in our discussion, but Melvin Jordan, the inside linebacker out of Florida, Quincy Wright, the tackle from, from um, Texas. What are your thoughts on those two guys? And do you think they can come in and make a, a impact early in their career? Quincy Wright in particular is a guy that I look to um, for immediate help. You know, a, a lot of these other guys that are, you know, at, at the top of Oregon State's list, they're at positions where Oregon State already has some depth. Martinez at running back, Melvin Jordan at, at inside linebacker. But, I mean, we know how much help Oregon State needs on the defensive line. And to bring somebody in who is a high three-star and, you know, who had offers from other Power 5 schools, I think that's a big addition. Um, you know, former teammate of Zariah Beeson. So he knows somebody on campus to kind of help him, uh, you know, learn the ropes a little bit. And I think if, if he's able to come in right away and, and make an impact, that's going to be absolutely huge for the Beavers, especially with the losses that they've had on the defensive line. In addition to the fact that the D line was already so thin. Yeah. Yeah. Who else on this, on this list? I mean, Oregon state really hit um, the prep alignment hard. Yeah. I'm looking here. You have Luca Vincic. Um, again, Dylan Lopez, um, Nathan Elu out of uh, Tom Brady's old high school, uh, and then Jacob Strand. So four O-linemen in this class. Um, I, I think for that, I mean, that, I think that's huge because I think we're to the point now where Coach Mahalachek is able to grab these guys that he then can develop and give them a few years in the system. I was, I was on with Mike Parker yesterday and one of the things we were talking about, you know, like someone like Nathan Elu didn't have a ton of offers, you know, Air Force liked him. Um, but it was one of these guys that Oregon State had been watching, but then Coach Mahalachek had gone down to see him in person and offered him on the spot. And I think that just speaks volumes about a, a young man that, um, you know, Coach Mahalachek knows what he wants. And uh, when he sees that potential in a, in a player, he's able to go out and get them. They also went, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if there's one position coach on this roster that you should trust, regardless of who they sign, absolutely 100% Jim Mahalachek. You know, if, if he brings in a guy who has no power five offers and is, you know, a, a low three star in our database or whatnot, I mean, for all we know, this kid could end up being an All-American by the time he's done. That's how good of a talent developer um, Jim Mahalachek is, but also his, his eye for yeah, I was say the evaluation kind of raw is, talent, raw athleticism. Yeah. Um, you know, he's proven it for what, 20 years now that, that um, he, he should be trusted with, with every guy that he brings in. Yeah. You know, and he does, he looks for, I mean, it's footwork and it's, it's mechanics, but it's also, he likes those guys that have a little nasty streak to them and play nasty. So um, I'm anxious to see how some of these guys, and these guys aren't guys that you're going to be seeing next year, but um, I'm anxious to see how they develop over, over time. One guy, one guy though, that before we move on, I, I think Dylan Lopez, we might not see him right away, but I think he's one that early in his career could crack the lineup. 
Um, we saw this year with Taliesa Fuaga, you know, coming in as a freshman. Um, and, you know, he he got a decent amount of playing time and and was one of the primary backups. Uh, when Brandon Kipper went down, you know, Fuaga was in the lineup quite a bit. Dylan Lopez could kind of um, fit that mold. His his offer list is really impressive when you look at the other teams that that offered him: USC, Arizona State, um, Colorado, California, and then a couple of Big Ten, Big Twelve schools. Um, you know, that's a really impressive offer sheet, and I, I think one that Oregon State hasn't really seen at the offensive line position. You know, Oregon State has kind of brought in those project kind of guys who are going to take a couple of years. But I, I think if there's one offensive lineman on this list of four that Oregon State's bringing in this year that could, you know, play first, second year in the system, Dylan Lopez is that guy. Definitely one to watch. A um, couple underrated guys that I think didn't get a lot of attention even when they signed, but, you know, hearing the, the stories, the recruiting stories that went into it. <coughs> Jack Belling, the tight end out of Seattle Prep, as well as Quincy Wright, that D tackle, there were a lot of teams coming in last minute trying to trying to sway those guys. And while Oregon State maybe didn't have any excitement today, signing day, they also avoided some drama back in December. How Carter, how much do you do you think it's underrated that you know a coach is able, the coaching staff is able to keep guys like this in the mix um, and not get them poached away? I mean, I think. Personally, I think it's huge because we've seen other programs, um, those last minute midnight calls, flip guys and, and Oregon State, while it might not be a flashy, sexy class to keep and hold on to these guys, even when some of the, the big blue chip schools start calling, I think is really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that that helps with more than anything else is the peer recruiting element, because if you have a guy like Melvin Jordan or Damian Martinez who sign early and they know 100%, regardless of who comes in and offers them, they are committed to Oregon State, you know, they're going to be the ones who are on Twitter and on visits who are saying, hey, come play with me. You know, I'm going to be here regardless of what happens. Um, you know, next year I'm, I'm here. Let's, let's, you know, let's, let's run it. Um, so having those guys committing early and then, you know, locking it down, saying my recruitment is shut down. I am a beaver through and through. Um, absolutely huge for peer recruiting. And I think to your point, a testament to Oregon State's staff's ability to recruit and, and keep guys on board. Um, as far as I'm aware, they only lost one commitment this year um, with Cole Prussia or Prussia, however you pronounce his last name, um, from Tualatin, who ended up taking a, uh, the offer from Princeton, which, I mean, academically, obviously you, you can't fault him there, but um, that's, I, I think the only that guy the that only comes one. to mind, not only this year, but, but last year as well. Yeah, it's, and I, I do, I, I think it's something that maybe is not talked about a ton, um, in recruiting circles and, um, but I think it's super important because it, it shows to the character of the, the players that, um, Oregon state is recruiting that have really bought into the, the system. Who do you looking through that list of 16 guys, who do you feel is the most underrated? Noble Thomas, I, I think. Uh, this is a guy who comes in as a cornerback. And Jonathan Smith, when we talked to him uh, in December after the, the early signing period, you know, this is a guy that he was really high on. He said, you know, we think he can be an elite cover corner for a long time here at Oregon State. Um, speaking of offer lists, here are some of the schools that offer him. Auburn, Iowa State, um, Mississippi State, Nebraska, Ole Miss. 
you know, I mean, these are, these are high level programs. Um, and, and he picked Oregon state out of the state of Florida, uh, was at a big time high school, university high school in orange city, Florida comes in as a kind of a mid to upper three-star recruit. But, um, I, I think Jonathan Smith is very confident that they found something in, in this kid, Noble Thomas, who will probably, you know, be, be an impact guy at some point in his career, maybe not right away, but, um, I, I think they're really confident in his ability to come in and, and contribute, you know, relatively early. Talk to me about the DB recruiting because Oregon state once again, loaded up on DBs. Well, let's see. I'll pull up the list. I, right now I have our, our signing day headquarters open, so I can't sort by, um, by position, but let's see who we've got. Uh, Carlos Mack is another one. Um, Ryan Cooper, Jr comes in as well. And it, you know, it's interesting because when you look at their ratings, the DBs are, are more towards the bottom of the list. But I think what Jonathan Smith said about them on early signing day was really telling of how he sees them um, as, as potential contributors. You know, he, they, they might not be the most highly rated guys on this list, but he said for all of them, you know, this is a guy who can play for us and, and play for a long time and be really good in this position. Um, and, and I think another thing with, with the DBs as well, they, they're bringing in a couple of guys who can play at multiple positions, safety, nickel, corner. Um, you know, Carlos Mack and Ryan Cooper in particular are, are two guys that I think Smith pointed to um, who could play at multiple spots back there. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because I, I really do feel that the past couple of years, they've really recruited DBs extensively, especially the JUCO ranks last year and now more of the prep ranks. And now you bring in um, a new coach that, so you have two coaches back there coaching. So, um, and let's talk, we cannot not talk about the quarterback in this class, Travis Throckmorton. Um, what are your thoughts on him? You know, not super highly rated, but um, this was a guy the coaches identified early in the process, offered and, and stuck with him throughout the, the process. So what, what are your thoughts on him and what he can bring to this offense, maybe down the road? Well, it's always important to land a quarterback, I think every year, but particularly early in the cycle, you know, you want to have a quarterback on your, um, on, on your commitment list early on so that he can be one of those peer recruiting guys, you know, obviously the quarterback is the leader of your offense. And so, you know, he's going to kind of spearhead the, um, the peer recruiting approach for the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, we saw him do that to an extent. Um, he wasn't as vocal on social media as Damian Martinez and Melvin Jordan were. Um, but, but I do think that, you know, that, that was a factor in, in getting him to commit fairly early. Um, Jonathan Smith mentioned his accuracy in particular. So, you know, one thing that, that kind of stands out to us when we see guys uh, at first in, in fall or spring camp is arm strength. But I think the fact that, you know, Smith pointed to, to Throckmorton's accuracy kind of, kind of speaks to what his main strength is. Um, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen him throw in, in person, but I'm, I'm curious to see what he brings um, to, to the quarterback room whenever, you know, th that first opportunity for us to see him is. So pretty good class. Like I said, it, it's not one that blows your socks off like star studded, but this is one of Oregon State's most highest ranked classes in the past 20 years. Um, as of like 20 minutes ago, they were ranked seventh in the Pac-12. And uh, I'm just double checking to make sure that still holds. We are recording this on um, Wednesday afternoon. 
that could change a little bit. Yep, still seventh and 57th nationally. So um, that is Oregon State's best um, effort in years. And then their average rating 85 of 0.8585 is also right up there as one of their highest recruiting um, average per player rankings. So um, like I said, it's not a, a class that's going to make the pundits, national pundits talk and say, whoa, look at Oregon State's class. But I think solid. Um, and this is something too, you know, when Coach Smith came in, you know, this will be his fifth season. Um, there was a lot of movement with the transfer portal, going after guys, filling spots. But now that he's been here for a while, his roster's maturing and he's able to do more of the prep route and just fill extensive, you know, like extensive needs through the portal. Um, speaking of extensive needs. So now you, you kind of have looked at where we, where we are. Um, Oregon State right now does not have any, any scholarships to give. I don't, I think they're one over. Um, but that can change obviously in the next couple months. What is your, if, if you are coach Smith right now, tell me what you're looking to, to shore up. More defensive linemen for sure. You know, bringing in one guy, well, two guys, I guess with Takari Hickel as well um, on the defensive line um, in, in this recruiting class is, is a good start. But I, I think the only way for this defensive line to turn things, turn things around quickly is to bring in at least one, two, maybe even three guys from the transfer portal. I, I think just the lack of depth that we've seen at that position and quite frankly, the lack of production recently as well warrants, you know, spending a couple of scholarships to, to kind of bolster that position right away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. What about quarterback? What are your thoughts? You know, there's been a lot of rumors. Uh, the Beavs are going after JT Daniels um, who went from USC to Georgia now needs to graduate Georgia this spring to become a grad transfer. What are your feelings on, you know, do the Beavs take a guy like JT Daniels or do you like what you have in the quarterback group? If JT Daniels wants to come to Oregon state, I think you say, without question, you know, we will take you. Um, we will, we will use one of our precious scholarships on, on another quarterback losing Sam Bidlack hurts the, uh, the quarterback depth for sure. And, you know, while, you know, he wasn't guaranteed to be a starter or anything, I, I think it, it opens up an opportunity for Oregon state to bring another guy in. Um, who knows, you know, if, if Tristan Jebby is going to be fully healthy, we don't know about Ben Goldbranson as well, coming back from that shoulder injury. Um, and if those two guys have any sort of limitations in, in spring or fall camp, you know, you're really only down to Chance Nolan and Travis Throckmorton, who's a true freshman. So, you know, it, any position can become thin with injuries right away. Um, but quarterback that at Oregon State right now is, is you know, I, I think it's a little shaky considering the injury history of two of those guys. And so if it's between Chance Nolan and a true freshman, I think, you know, you obviously want to bring in as many guys as you can. Um, that being said, if, if Tristan Jebian and Ben Goldbranson are both fully healthy, I, I think the quarterback room's in great position. Um, but JT Daniels, I think, is a guy who comes in and would probably be your day one starter without question. So, yeah, if, if you can bring in a high quality transfer at quarterback, you'd absolutely do it. Yes, absolutely. And I keep your eyes on that, but uh, I don't expect any announcement anytime imminent. I think JT is playing things out and probably if he's smart, he's kind of playing all sides um, against each other to see who can offer him the best NIL deal because 
as we are starting to see, it's very important, this whole NIL, it basically is free agency and it is basically paying, paying players. So um, Oregon State has, I think, some work to do there and figuring all that out. I, I know that there are some things happening behind the scenes, but uh, the SEC definitely has a head start on this whole, this whole deal. College football in 2022, it's, it's a different animal. Um, you know, on, on the 24-7 sports National Signing Day show, um, about an hour or so before we started recording, Nick Saban joined the show and, you know, they were talking to him about what are the differences between signing day now and, and a decade ago. And he said, man, it is night and day. There's, there are no similarities whatsoever. And a lot of that is the early signing period. You know, Alabama brought in one guy today. Um, NIL, another factor you have to consider because, you know, while, while schools aren't, you know, going to go out and say, yeah, our NIL is the reason that our NIL program is the reason that this guy committed to us. That that's a big reason for some of these guys. And so, yeah, it's, it's a completely different animal than it was even like two or three years ago. Um, but yeah, with, with the combination of the early signing period and then NIL and, and everything else that we've seen change in college football, um, giving really student athletes more leverage and more power um, obviously, I, I think that's a great thing for the student athlete, but it really it really changes the landscape of how these things operate. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I was talking to a, another twenty four seven writer from a, a different conference. We were just talking about some stuff recruiting this morning, and he was talking about the school that he covers being outbid last year or during the early signing period. They were outbid for players, so made me kind of just kind of stop and pause for a minute that yeah okay you're just flat out just acknowledging now that you've been outbid which um, is funny and uh, and there was a particular recruit today that tweeted I can't remember his name um but he ended up committing to Texas A&M and I, I think there were you know he was getting questions about was it about money were they offering you know better NIL deals he actually tweeted if my decision was about money I would have stayed home and gone to Miami but this was not a money decision. I'm going to Texas A&M for football reasons. So yeah, here we are in 2022 and, and student athletes, these high school seniors are having to, um, well, I mean, they don't have to, but he chose to, you know, say, Hey, this was not a money decision. Um, it really, like I said before, it is just so different it, than, yeah. than, I mean, even a year or two ago. I don't know, Carter, one of us should become an agent. We could start becoming like a high school agent and start brokering deals for these kids. Um, because you know it's happening. You know, right now it's the seven on seven coaches that are are trying to do this, but yeah. reminiscent of kind of the AAU scene. Oh, it is AAU scene it's in basketball. You know, high school into college basketball. Um, I think you're starting to see a lot of that culture kind of translate to the seven on seven camps and and teams and whatnot, um, and them kind of funneling players into college football as well. So let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about signing day on a national scale. You, you mentioned the young man who chose AM for football and not the money at Miami. What else has, has stood out to you today, um, watching all the shows and, and kind of following the national? Well, I, I just, you know, it kind of what I've been talking about with, I, I think the Nick Saban interview that I saw today was really insightful, just, you know, from the perspective of a guy who has dominated the recruiting scene for, you know, the last 12 years at Alabama, however long it's been, um, to get his perspective on how much it has changed. Um, you know, it's, it really is just night and day. And I, I think that's one thing that, 
the the coaches who have been around for a long time, you know, some of them kind of get stuck in their ways and and some aren't willing to adapt, but a, a coach who is, you know, still kind of getting his feet under him, uh, like a Jonathan Smith, who's been a head coach for four years now, I, I think he's more, I think he's better equipped to kind of handle the, the new, the, the new approach that you have to take to recruiting and, you know, younger coaches, I think are going to be more in tune with that coaches who are, you know, who haven't been coaching for 20 years, I, I think are going to be better equipped to, to handle that. And um, it, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how it continues to develop over the next few years. So Oregon state will have a, an opening here shortly um, as I, I don't know if it's officially announced, but Derek Ray, who was the director of personnel at Oregon state, is leaving the Beavers to be the general manager at Florida State. So um, general manager, I, I don't really know exactly what that entails. I, I reached out, I, or I spoke to someone at, at the Florida State 24-7 site who, who did tell me that it was um, recruiting oriented and, and really kind of managing um, kind of NIL stuff, uh, all of kind of everything encompassing uh, player personnel and recruitment. How do you think Oregon State should look at this going forward do you think do you think that they will just hire someone or promote someone within from within just to be a director of personnel do you think they restructure things and and you know maybe bring in an nil person and and do some different things well it's an interesting conversation to have and i I think you know that's one thing that jonathan smith is going to have to look at if you're losing your director of player personnel for a, a role like the one that he might be taking on that you know, does focus on NIL and, and it focuses on, you know, more than just the, Hey, we're going to bring this guy in for a recruiting visit. Um, do you replace him with a new role altogether? It'll be interesting to see how that goes. I, I think you and I both agree that there is a guy on campus right now on, on this coaching staff, recruiting staff that is, is very deserving of a promotion to, to take Derek Ray's, you know, his, his role. Uh, and that would be Michael doctor. And I, I think, you know, keeping him on, in, in, in any way that they can, you know, whether that's promotion, whether that's, you know, changing his, changing his role, maybe he becomes the NIL expert. Um, He is a real asset to this coaching staff, uh, the recruiting staff, the operations staff. And, um, you know, I I think with, with this opening, this is a good opportunity to reward him with a promotion. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, and I think he fits so well with, you know, we, we can talk about, you know, different coaches over the years that we've, you know, talked about coming back to Oregon state or, but I think with the recruiting aspect of it, I, I love having him in that role because a, he's a great ambassador to Oregon state. Um, but like coach Smith, he he's walked those halls. He's, you know, had lectures at Milam auditorium and, and he knows exactly what it's like to play at Oregon state coming from Oklahoma. So, um, he's not someone that was local. Um, but it'll be interesting. That is something I'm going to be watching in this off season and really in the next couple months because, or actually next month or so, because I think that is an area that needs to be kind of shored up sooner rather than later, because, you know, as we saw this past couple weeks, when Oregon state coaches were on the road, they were out meeting with 2023 and 2024 prospects. So um, they're already jumpstart, you know, looking ahead. So that's going to be where this goes and they need that person in the office, kind of keeping things together. We do, I just want to put a little plug in because if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday, signing day, February 2nd, there are a few hours left to save 60% on an annual VIP membership to Beaver Blitz. 
This is, this will expire at midnight Eastern time. So nine o'clock Pacific, it is going away. And I don't know when the next one will be actually the next promo. Um, so this is a great time to get in. We are in basketball season. Carter and I can talk about that a little bit, but we're also coming into baseball season. And um, I think it's going to be a really exciting year. Carter and I will talk about this in a minute, but if you have not read JP's weekly walk-off, which covers baseball, it's our weekly baseball preview, then you definitely want to be a member of Beaver Blitz because that is a VIP only uh, feature at Beaver Blitz. And it is the most in-depth baseball preview each week that you will find. So definitely jump on that 60% off. But Carter, before we talk baseball, I I feel like I'm just, I need some like wah, wah, wah music because Carter's laughing at me. That's just how I feel about I'm laughing because I know exactly where this is going. Men's basketball. What in the actual hell is happening there? Just, I I mean, who knows? To be able to go from an Elite Eight run to a 3-15 and record here as we enter February, winless in 2022 uh, at the time that we're recording this. I mean, talk talk about just a monumental drop-off. Um. I think it it goes deeper than, you know, the guys who are on the floor in in the starting lineup. I, I think there are some real culture issues in the program right now. I, I think, you know, Wayne Tinkle talked about after the Oregon game, a lack of discipline, but he, he didn't just say, you know, a lack of discipline on defense. He said, you know, getting places on time, wearing, you know, wearing Oregon State issued clothes with with pride. I mean, these are like, these are deep, deep issues that are going on within the program right now. And I think, um, you know, obviously that's, that's on Tinkle and his staff to, to correct them, but you know, he, he's not the only one at fault here. I, I think, you know, the, the group that the group of newcomers that he brought in for whatever reason, wasn't able to mesh with, with the guys who returned from last year's elite eight team. And um, you know, I, I think really there are just so many fractures right now within this program that, this season probably is is a complete lost cause and I, I just hope that you know tinkle and and this program um, are able to rebound next year and and not let this kind of fester into the future you know have this be a blip on the radar you know for whatever reason the roster wasn't constructed the right way the coaches weren't able to get them to buy in let's just restart next year do you think they I mean do you if you were coach and they were seriously I mean the article you read at, or you wrote after the civil or the Oregon game was super eye-opening. And if you haven't read it, go back because it was, um, yeah, it, it pointed to a lot of, um, a, a lot of people thought Tinkle was throwing play where he was throwing players under the bus. But at the same time, when you're flat out saying that the discipline on the team stinks and that guys aren't showing up and to things that they're supposed to be at, or they're late, or they're not wearing what they're supposed to be wearing. I, I mean, like you said, it's, it's way deeper. At what point do you sit guys or ask them to leave the program? Well, I think that should be happening right now. Um, and I'm curious, you know, I'm not going to go out and say that one player's, you know, not following the rules or whatever, but Ahmad Rand didn't play against Oregon due to coach's decision. And, you know, at this point with, with Tinkle mentioning after every game, you know, the lack of discipline, you name it, um, maybe, maybe I, again, I don't, I don't want to start speculation on what a mod is doing, but 
I mean, if, if he's not playing Ahmad Rand in a big game that I think he could be a huge contributor in, um, you have to wonder if maybe that is where that is stemming from. But against Oregon, it wasn't like that was a difference maker because, I mean, they still looked horrible. Maybe it's me. When I turned it on, they were like tied. I don't know. You and I, I don't were know texting. It was, it was I, I wish, hey, I wish I had the answer. Yeah, it, it is very, very disheartening. Um, yeah, I especially like you said, after the magical run last year, and, and I don't think anybody expected a, an elite eight run or, or anything like that, but to have a complete and utter drop off and not even be competitive, I think that's the big thing. Do you think Scott Barnes did the wrong thing? Or, or okay, let me be positive. Do you think Scott Barnes did the right thing by extending Tinkle and giving him the big raise? Or do you think he should have just let the bonuses play out and let his year added a year? because of the NC2As? I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So it's easier to say now that he did the wrong thing by extending him. Um, but it, in the moment, I, you know, I was okay with it, but I also thought, you know, it's not like Tinkle's contract was expiring right away. He still had two years and, you know, he was going to get an extra year for making the tournament anyways. So I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know if, Wayne Tinkle had a bunch of other schools knocking on his door, trying to get him to leave. Um, but if not, there really was no benefit to extending him even further. Um, and, you know, again, like I said, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but I, I think in the moment, um, seeing that he had a couple of more years remaining on that contract and was going to get a pay bump from making the tournament and whatnot. Um, I, I don't think it was absolutely crucial to extend him. So that has been one of the big discussions on Blitz um, the past couple or the past week. Okay, let's let's switch gears to a more positive topic because you just had last week um, media day for baseball. Talk to me, Carter. How's baseball going to look this year? And because because they are heading to surprise in like two weeks, and you're going to be down there too. Yeah, it's shaping up to be um, you know what could be a, a pretty nice year for Coach Canham in in his really second full year. Um, you know that that first year was obviously cut short due to COVID. But, um, I, I, you know, I think last year was a bit of a letdown, I think, for, for people within the program. Omaha is always the goal. And I, I think a lot of, you know, our, our readers and our members at Beaver Blitz were saying, you know, what, what's happening to the program? The sky is falling. Well, they made it to a regional final. So, you know, if, if that's a rebuilding year at Oregon State, I think we'll be just fine. Um, but this year, I, I think, you know, Omaha is a realistic goal. The pitching staff, returns, you know, most, most everybody. Um, and, and there are a couple of key additions there as well that I think have the potential to make this one of the best pitching staffs in the country. You know, last year they set, they set a record for strikeouts and, you know, they, they were, you know, towards the top of the country in a lot of pitching categories. Uh, it was really just the, the, uh, the free passes the you know, the hit batsmen, the walks that, that held them back. If they can shore that up this year, there's no reason they can't be the best pitching staff in the country. But what I'm really excited about is how much of a step forward the hitting department could take this year. The addition of Travis Bazana, I think absolutely massive. This is a guy who, you know, I wrote Love a feature out. Yeah, I, I put a feature out on uh, on Beaver Blitz last week about, you know, he has all the makings of a freshman phenom. And, you know, it's, it's easy to get too far ahead of ourselves. But um, when he puts up, like league record numbers in, in summer ball. And when every player and every coach is saying, yeah, this is a guy to watch out for, 
Um, that is something that I think needs to be taken note of. So that's that's a guy who you know I, I see coming in and, and potentially being a leadoff guy as a true freshman. But getting Jacob Melton back from from his shoulder surgery absolutely huge because he was a 400 hitter when he was healthy last year, um, and and a bunch of other guys who are returning. Wade Meckler comes to mind. You know somebody who can kind of do it all. Um, this like I said that this roster really doesn't have any deficiencies uh, that that I can see, and I, I think this has the potential to be kind of a breakout year. Um, for Coach Canham. So, I mean, defensively, I, I know we talked a little bit, um, you and I did off off air, that uh, Jake Ducart might be making the move from third to short. Any other position type moves that you foresee? Not really. Uh, Jacob Melton is is a guy who can play infield and outfield, but uh, he said, you know, it's looking like he's going to spend most of his time at center. Um, but, you know, don't be surprised to see him at first a little bit. Uh, Travis Bazana will probably be be starter at second base, Ducard at second, and then you know we'll see how the rest of we'll see how the rest of the infield shakes out from there. Um, there are a lot of guys on this roster who can play multiple positions, and um, you know a, a lot of that will kind of shake out as the season goes on. Um, yeah, so I mean the big thing typically everybody's gonna I mean fielding isn't going to be the issue, but batting Oregon State like you uh, I'm anxious because Oregon State hasn't been batting as strong as we've seen in the past do you see this being more of a of a small ball year for them or do you see them uh, maybe being able to to go yard I, I think it could actually be both you know I, I think the the talent that they're bringing back like I said with Wade Meckler you know he's he's a guy who can get a bump down um, Jacob Melton obviously has the power but you know he's he's a guy who can pretty much do anything he's he's asked to at the plate and um, Travis Bazana has a ton of power, but he can also lay a bunt down and, and, you know, he can bunt for a base hit. So, um, having those three guys at the top of your order, I think really opens up a lot of, a lot of different possibilities. Um, you know, whether you see the traditional Pat Casey approach of get a guy on, get him over and bring him in, uh, or if it's, you know, more of an analytic style that, that coach Canham, I know is, is really drawn to, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they utilize the talent on this roster. All I know for our listeners is that after you went, you came back for media day, you called me and I have not heard you that excited after like a media day press conference in a long time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm buying in. I I'm all in on this team. I think they've got what it takes to get back to Omaha. And you'll be down covering for Beaver Blitz heading down uh, with your dad um, for that first weekend in surprise. So you'll be getting some sunshine, catching some baseball, hanging out with your dad. Um, and you'll have reports. And like I said, JP's walk-off will be starting here soon. Spring ball, we have no um, official word on when spring football starts, but a lot going on. Um, it's, it's not a dull time right now at Beaver Blitz. Gymnastics, too. I, we, didn't, you know, we don't typically cover gymnastics, but there's a lot of excitement right now with Jade Carey. Um, and the women's gymnastics team is ranked in the top you know, 15 right now. So um, Carter and I have been trying to put up stories as they pop up just to keep our, our readers um, in the loop of what's going on with that. But baseball, men's basketball, hopefully they, they can win five this year. That's just sad. I, last year it was so much fun, and, and now it, it just kind of went off a cliff. But another year, 2022 football is just around the corner. I know we just finished, but uh, there's never anything as quite as exciting as signing day, and we just went through it. Carter, thank you for joining me on this episode of the damn podcast. And uh, let's do it again here, uh, maybe after the start of baseball. 
Sounds good to me. Awesome. Have a great day, everyone. And uh, check out Beaver Blitz for all the latest.